Welcome to Stop Telling and Start Listening with David Cook. If you're frustrated with the way we are speaking or not speaking to each other, if you find yourself easily at odds in your conversations with people, this may be just the show for you. Listen in as David and his guests will help you elevate your communication skills and navigate the tensions present in many conversations today. Now, here is David Cook. All right, let's get started. Hey, welcome everyone to Stop Telling and Start Listening, and I'm your host, David Cook. You know, this is the show where each week we get an opportunity to learn some lessons and share some experiences regarding the power of listening and the impact of great listening behaviors I have on building trust, improving relationships, and solving complex, pro- pro- complex problems. Of course, I'm especially excited about this show because this is the first one. We're kicking this thing off today. This is exciting. And I thought the best way to start the show off was to make sure we spent some time talking a little bit about why listening is so important, uh, not only um, to me, but just to, to everybody uh, in, in general. It's an essential thing. So let's just start out with why listening? Why is listening important? First of all, I believe most of our societal tensions are that we're experiencing today, the, the tensions that we have in the conversations and the fact that it's very hard to talk to somebody about things that we believe or get into these discussions, you know, used to be that you couldn't talk about religion or politics, but it seems like we can't talk about anything anymore without triggering somebody somewhere. But I really believe that most of these tensions can be reduced, if not um, completely eliminated, if we simply learned how to communicate better. And the greatest opportunity for us uh, to improve our communication skills and and make this change, uh, reducing the tension, is in how we shift our listening behaviors. And the purpose of this show, Stop Telling and Start Listening, is to educate and inspire us to listen better. And I'm going to be utilizing the experiences of uh, guests, people that I know really well, or people that I've come to respect and the way that they communicate and the way that they listen with people to help them demonstrate to us how effective listening behaviors lead to powerful outcomes. Of course, there's a reason behind this, right? Everybody has a story, and we're going to talk a little bit more about how we listen to other people's story, but I'd like to have an opportunity right now to share with you why this is so important to me. Years ago, many years ago, I was a sales guy. Um, my experience in sales started in New York City, and you know, I was, uh, I was in, an, in a field where I didn't know, technically, I didn't know squat about what I was doing. I was a great you know, person. People loved my conversational style. They saw this sales aptitude and ability in me, and, and that was why they hired me. But what, what I found out was that the, my ability to be successful wasn't as much about what I had to sell is how I listen to my customers or my prospects when I engage them. And so the, my experience in sales was, you know, walking in and sitting down with a customer or a prospect. Well, the one thing that they didn't want to do is they didn't really have time for me. They didn't want to be pitched by a sales guy. They didn't want to have a sales guy tell them all the reasons why they needed to buy something from me or whatever. And so what I used to do is I would just sit down with my client and say, okay, tell me where you're at today. What's going on? What's your distraction? And I became a problem solver. And in becoming a problem solver, uh, they found that my clients found that spending time with David, they got something from it. 
And it wasn't necessarily that Dave was pitching something, but Dave offered them solutions and ideas and stuff. And so even when people said, this is where I'm at, and I had not in my area of expertise, but I would ask great questions. I would pro- propose ideas or people introduce them to people that might be able to help them. And they found value in the relationship. And the reason that they found value in the relationship is because I made it about them. And I took the time to learn and understand what was about them. And I didn't really understand the how important that was at the time. All I knew is, is that I ended up getting referred to people. I ended up, they ended up buying from me. And I was very successful over the course of my 20 years in my life as a sales guy, even though I really never saw myself as a sales guy, became very successful as a sales guy because I became a great listener. And it did, like I said, it didn't mean much to me at the time. But what ended up happening was, is that I had another experience in my life about 10, 12 years ago, when my third child, my youngest child, my uh, you know younger son, developed an issue with a heroin addiction. And I navigated that, you know, that having your child with a, with a heroin addiction is obviously a very, very trying and difficult ordeal. And one of the things that I've really discovered in this whole process was um, I spend a lot of time loving, coaching, encouraging, inspiring, um, also, you know, yelling at, screaming at um, my child for his addiction. And I realized that, that, and no matter what I did as a dad, no matter what I did from a place of love or concern or hope or inspiration, no matter what I did, I couldn't get him to find his path to recovery. And with every every time that he went to a, you know, would, it was kind of like a, a life cycle of, of frustration. It was like recovery, relapse, jail, recovery, relapse, jail. And I lived that for about 10 years. And along the way, a couple of things that I discovered is that I discovered, uh, finally realized that what I was trying to be, was I was trying to be a parent to my son as I defined it. And one day after a series of bike rides and some meditative thinking and challenging myself to say, you know, what can I do differently? Because what I'm doing right now isn't changing anything. I made a commitment to myself to be the parent that my son needed me to be, as opposed to me being the parent that I thought I needed to be. And what I started to do was focus on my son in his addiction journey, just like I focused on my customers in their business struggles. Where are you at? What are you experiencing? What can you tell me? And I created a safe space for my son to share his story, even though he didn't tell me everything. In fact, he probably told me next to nothing, but he knew that when he did tell me some truth about where he was in his journey and the struggles and the challenges he was experiencing, I knew I, he, he knew that he could trust his dad to listen from a place of um, acceptance. And, and he knew that I would not necessarily give him advice unless it was solicited, but he knew that he could share his story. And then as I started to realize that my relationship with my son started to change, I started to share this experience with moms and dads. And the more and in similar situations, and the more I shared this experience with moms and dads, the more they started to realize that you know loving your child where they meeting your child where they are for who they are and loving them in that place, even though we weren't happy, we weren't accepting necessarily approving of the behaviors, but if we create a safe space for our children to share their story, we could hear their story, and we could love them in that place, and there, then they started to realize that mom and dad. Um, 
were were listening, they were concerned, they were caring, we weren't shaming them or guilting them or criticizing them. We were accepting the chaos for what it was and together finding ways to create hope for them to find their recovery. So here I am today is that I just realized is that, you know, whether I'm, whether I'm a dad, whether I'm a, a leader in a business or I'm a sales guy on the road, or I'm sitting on the park bench or meeting somebody in coffee who's struggling with something in life, what I found out is, is that I don't have to do anything other than sit with them. I don't have to do anything other than be with them and listen to their story. And when I listen to their story, we build a connection. And it's, it's, the connection is powerful because it's a learning exercise for me, but it's also a learning exercise for them because they're realizing there's somebody there who cares enough to sit and listen. And in the process, they find value in that relationship. They find connection in that conversation. And they walk away with something that gives them hope for where they are. For me, in that same situation, I find connection in the conversation. I've learned from somebody's experiences. And I walk away from that conversation thinking about that person, hoping that I've been, you know, was able to connect with them in a way that I added value to their life and hope for their situation and maybe even offered some guidance from where they are. So that's, that's the most important thing to me about listening is, is that I realize personally I've experienced that once you start listening to somebody and once you truly create a space for them to be who they are and share their story, everything changes. And that's the difference is that today we, we all, the funny thing is, is we all want the same thing. There are a lot of angry, hurting, disconnected, lost people in, in our world today. Everybody's got something going on. Nobody's living a life without tension. The truth of the matter is, though, is because we, even though we want all the same thing, we're coming to our situation all from different experiences, different point of views, different places, different struggles. And so the answer isn't always easy to find. And there are things that are going on in those behaviors that we don't necessarily clearly understand. And so what happens is that even though we all have the same needs, we're all searching for the same thing in many ways. We're looking for connection. We're looking for acceptance. We're looking for love. We're looking for solutions. We're looking for support. Even though we're all looking for the same thing for some reason, when we get together with somebody, our, our hurt and our anger causes us not to accept somebody in their mess or, our, or see ourselves in our mess. And it, what it does is it causes us to judge and criticize and create this divide. And I just think that, you know, the opportunity for us to find a way to navigate the chaos that's in our society and the things that are dividing us can be found, best be found, in finding a way to, to be quiet and listen. I originally wanted to name this show Shut Up and Listen, yeah, but I thought it was a tad too abrasive, so I didn't, and that's why I called it Stop Telling and Start Listening. But one of the things that I focus on so much is what a thing, a, a concept that I refer to as selfless listening. And the reason we call it selfless listening is just how it sounds. Selfless. It's not about me. And listening, obviously, we've talked about the listening piece. The selfless part is I am going to do what I can to remove in our, from our conversations the, the opportunity or the, the situation where I criticize 
or I judge or I correct or I interrupt um, and to the point where or, or disconnect because I don't like what they're saying. What I'm, if I'm truly committed to connecting with the person across the table from me or sitting next to me in a, in, in a, in a coffee shop, if I'm truly con- interested in connecting with that person, it can't be about me. I need to create a space where I can learn about the other person. So it's selfless. And obviously, I've given you the reasons why listening is so important because it creates a space for, for somebody to share their story. And we'll talk about that a little bit more in detail, how that works. But it creates a space for somebody to tell their story. And it creates an opportunity for me to learn more about them, how they see the world, how they experience the world. The opposite of selfless listening is something I would call selfish telling. And just like it sounds, selfish. Selfish means it's about me. It's what I want, what I need, why I want it, why I need it. So if we decide, if I decide that I don't hear something that I like, I say, well, I can't embrace that. It becomes about me and I cut them off or I cut the conversation. I don't have time. I'm not interested. I don't like what you're saying. I don't agree with what you, how you view the world. And so what happens is I want to correct you or I want to change your mind or I want to alter your perspective, or I might even want to fix what I think is broken. That's selfish telling. And that doesn't create a whole lot of space for somebody to feel safe sharing their story. And number two is it's a bit judgmental. And what it does is, is that it reduces anybody's ability to be transparent or vulnerable but because they have to keep their guard up and afraid that somebody's going to judge or criticize them. Obviously, that was a huge struggle that we had as parents with children with addiction. You know, there was, here we are, parents, and we, we, are, we love our children, we love them dearly, and they find themselves in a situation for whatever reason that um, they're, they're experiencing something related, you know, a drug addiction of some sort, where my son, as I said, was a heroin addiction. It's hard to share with somebody my experiences as a dad with a child who's a, with a heroin addiction. My experience is my son as, as homeless. My experience is with my son being in jail. My experiences with my son stealing stuff from me or from somebody else in my family. It's hard to share those experiences when you, with somebody when you know their response to my conversation and my sharing of my struggles is judgment or criticism. So what happens is parents retreat. They isolate themselves. They go into certain cocoons because they feel like they've done something wrong or they're being looked at as though they've done something wrong. And nothing is more painful to a parent, and because I've experienced nothing is more painful to a parent when you're looking for love, encouragement, hope, guidance, support, education, nothing is more painful to an individual who finds themselves cut off either by choice because that's the only place they can feel safe or they feel the, the ostracism that comes from the situation that they're in by society or their friends or a certain circle of people. And having that experience, I know what it feels like to, be, to feel like I can't belong because of the situation that I'm in. And that's, that's one of the things that prevents then prevents me, prevented me as a dad, because I had to figure it out for myself in quotes, 
there wasn't a place for me to go. Or the only place I could go was fellow parents who were in their own state of unhealthy toxicity because we were trying to survive and figure it out. But we needed the love and encouragement of a much larger group of people. We needed to belong to, you know, we needed to be able to find safety and encouragement and love and support from our community. And our community got cut down in size because certain people didn't understand it. They didn't get it. They didn't like it. They didn't approve it. They were judging it. And here we are isolated. So I'm a passionate believer that everybody is going through something. Everybody, whether they realize it or not, they're struggling with something. And the reason that sometimes they don't realize is because they're trying to hide it or protect it or pretend it doesn't exist. You know, and um, Brene Brown talks about you know bringing stuff out in the open because that's the only place things can find healing. It's very true. Is that we need to be able to feel safe to bring things out in the open where we can find healing and comfort and encouragement and support. And so listening, creating a vehicle for people to share their story, for people to talk about their struggles, for people to openly share their vulnerabilities is the only way we're going to create a place where healing can begin. And so back to the challenge that we face in society, the, you know, people who are angry, they're fearful, they're distrustful. They're looking, for, they're looking for things and they're self-protecting and they don't feel safe and all that stuff. It just keeps them from going somewhere. So I encourage and embrace this notion that when we look at listening, selfless listening, truly engage in learning from somebody else, we can change the world. And we can change the world simply by the nature of the conversations that we're having with people. So what we're going to do over the next uh the last two thirds of this show, because we're going to take a break shortly. What we're going to do over the next um, few minutes of the show is talk a little bit in this episode about some of the concepts and some of the ideas that I'm passionate about that I'm that we're, are going to come up in my conversations with with my guests, and they're going to be the learning exercises. There's only about three or four key components to listening slash selfless listening that are really important. And you've been introduced a little bit at a high level to, to um, one of them already was the idea of people's stories. But we're going to focus this today on this episode is about making sure that we understand what listening looks like and some of the reasons why it's important and how we can do it and how it can help people. And you will hear that more and more as we go through um, you know interviews down the road and subsequent episodes. But in the meantime, we'll take a break and we'll come back to talking about some of the key concepts. Until now, we'll talk to you later. Become our friend on Facebook. Post your thoughts about our shows and network on our timeline. Visit facebook.com forward slash voice America. We are living in a time where a relentless commitment to opinions and beliefs are dividing communities and fracturing crucial relationships. Making ourselves right and those who disagree with us wrong leaves little room for engaging in a constructive learning dialogue. There is little opportunity to change minds, find common ground, or solve complex problems. Those who are not being heard or understood become angry, hurt, lost, isolated, alone, and more. While mental health-related issues are on the rise, too few know how to safely share their struggles, and far too many don't know how to care about those that do. 
While it is increasingly frustrating to experience an increase in this communication divide, there is hope, and according to David Cook, there is an answer. The answer lies in how we adjust our communication style and shift our listening behaviors. In his radio show, Stop Telling and Start Listening, host David Cook introduces his audiences to the power found in creating a safe place for sharing life perspectives and experiences without judgment, criticism, correction, or shame. There are tremendous opportunities in learning to see the world from the eyes of another. Join David on Mondays at 11 Pacific. Discover how shifting your listening behaviors will close the divide that exists between you and others in your community. We all struggle with relationship tensions in the home or at work or with a loved one. Often that tension causes us to avoid communicating with that individual because it usually ends up in a fight or an argument that only makes things worse. In the show Stop Telling and Start Listening, host David Cook shares the lessons of his personal experiences to help you engage in healthy, insightful conversations for healing broken or damaged relationships. After a successful professional career as a sales pro, executive, and consultant, David Cook discovered in a significant transformational way the impact a shift in listening had on the father-son relationship during his youngest child's struggles with a heroin addiction. After loving his son with various reactive behaviors of shame, guilt, criticism, judgment, David discovered that when he made a commitment to understand his son's struggles, to learn about the addiction journey from his son's perspective and meet him where he was in his addiction, David realized he was rebuilding their relationship in powerful, influential ways. David's show, Stop Telling and Start Listening, provides listeners guidance and insight to the powers of listening, selfless listening. Instead of avoiding the people we are struggling to understand or communicate with, David provides listeners with tools they can utilize to facilitate an authentic, safe sharing of personal and real perspectives and experiences. He teaches us how to navigate into areas of communication tension to help repair broken or damaged relationships, build trust with those we need to lead or support, and solve complex problems with impactful, lasting solutions. Join David on Mondays at 11 Pacific for a listening session that will help close the divide that exists or is developing between you and others in your community. It's your world. Motivate. Change. Succeed. VoiceAmericaEmpowerment.com You're listening to Stop Telling and Start Listening. Have a question for David or his guests? Join us on the show at 888-346-9141. That's 888-346-9141. Or you can email Dave at dave at thecookgroupllc.com. Now, back to the show with David. All right, welcome back. Here we are. This is... um after the after the first break, I laid some foundation for you on why this is important to me. But I one one thing definitely want to carry forward is the concept of listening, selfless listening. It's actually I look at it as a commitment. It's a commitment that we need to make to listen to somebody's um, as they're sharing whatever it is they're sharing, they're talking to us about without judgment, without criticism. 
without interruption or correction. Now, I, the best analogy that I can give for this is, um, you know, I have, a, um, I'm obviously revealing my age a bit, uh, but I have, a, I have an eight-year-old grandson. And we, I used to have this, uh, I had a nonprofit called 100 Pedals, and it was related to cycling and um, rec- uh, re- um, cycling for recovery was what it was called. And I went around the country biking and telling stories with parents and trying to do some coaching and encouragement and education, creating awareness about addiction in our communities and that kind of stuff. So I had a big van that I used to use for my cycling trips. And my little grandson, when he was like, you know, three, four, five years old, would sit in the front seat. You know, fortunately, he could sit in the front seat in this situation because that's the only seat there was with his little car seat. And um, when we would ride around, he would just light up. And, you know, I'd love to say that he lit up because he was spending time with grandpa. But I think it was more because he got to sit at the front of this big van and see the world. But he would start to tell these stories. And I loved listening to him tell his stories. But the truth of the matter is, is this, the way he started a story, it started out in a place that made sense. But as he went, his creative energy and his impromptu nature of telling a story, it got, you know, at times it got nonsensical. At times it got a little bit crazy. And you know, sometimes it was funny, you know, how he would observe and see things and tie those into his ongoing story. But one of the things that I, um, really focused on doing at the time was I just enjoyed listening to him tell his story, even when it didn't make sense, even when I may not have agreed with how he observed it. And the reason that I made sure that I did that, I let him tell his story. The reason I made sure that I, and that I encouraged him to do it is because if I corrected him, I would inject myself into his story. And then I would change the story because I was fixing it or I was correcting it or I was improving it as opposed to just sitting in the moment and enjoying listening to him tell his story. So that's the idea of selfless listening is creating this space for somebody to be able to tell what they see, what they feel, what they observed and why, how that all comes together. We may not agree with it. We may not even like it. That's not the point. The point is, is to build connection by allowing them, giving them the safe space to do it. So one of the key concepts that I wanted to emphasize going forward here is, is there's something, and you'll hear me say this a lot in every episode, but it's, but it's very simple. It's meeting people where they are for who they are. I say that again, meeting people where they are for who they are. Another way of calling it is calling practicing love and acceptance. Now, there's a difference between acceptance and approval. And I think a lot of people get hung up in that because if they, you know, a lot of, in fact, I had that a lot with moms and dads as I was coaching more with with their children, is that if they created a space for their child to say nonsensical stuff, they felt like they were approving the story. And I said, no, 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 no. You're not approving of the story. Nobody said you had to like it. Nobody said you had to agree with it. Nobody said that you had to encourage, you know, find a way for you to say, you know, just be, you know, like say that I approve of that behavior. I accept that behavior. No, but you do accept the notion of the way they're telling the story, because if it's, if you allow them to be safe, you allow them to speak their truth. You're showing them that you accepting them 
for who they are and how they're viewing the world. And that is so hard to do. It's so hard to do. It was easy for me to do it with a five-year-old kid because I knew he was just being himself. But isn't that what we want? Isn't that what we want to be able to do in our lives is to be ourselves? You know, nothing, nothing worse than pretending, than having to pretend. You know, there was a book that completely changed my life that I read probably 15, 16 years ago. And I can't remember the, name, the last name of the author, and I apologize for that. But the name of the book was Save the World and Still Be Home for Dinner. Love that title, Save the World and Still Be Home for Dinner. And actually, it was more like 12 years ago. I read it in 2009-ish. And the author talked about the idea being is that if we want to truly make a difference in the world, we can't save the world, obviously, because the world's bigger than we are. But we can make a difference in our little world, the people around us, our family, our friends, our neighbors, our coworkers. We can make a difference. But the key to making a difference in those lives is to be authentic to who we are. And he's, his premise, the author's premise was, we're all actors. We're on a stage. We live in a, in a world where we behave in a certain way because that's what we think we need to be. You know, there was, I talk to this a lot of times. You know, people talk about having work personalities and having, pers you know, at-home personalities, you know, and I call BS to that because we are who we are. Now, we can think that we have to act a certain way at work as opposed to how we act at home. And listen to the key word is act. Just like the author said, we're actors. We're playing a role that we think we need to play in order to make a difference wherever we are. The truth of the matter is we need to be who we are. We need to allow ourselves to be authentic to who we are. I have basically three truths that I embrace in my life. And the three are, one is that you are loved in ways you can't possibly comprehend. That's the first truth. The second truth is you are wonderfully and perfectly made for what you have been called to do on this earth. And the third truth is you're always on time. So you focus on the second truth is you are wonderfully and perfectly made for what you've been called to be or do on this, accomplish on this earth. In other words, you're, you are who you are. You can't change that. Now you can hide it. You can fight it. You can resist it. You can try to correct it. But the truth of the matter is, is that your personality is your personality. When I look at my three children, when they started turning one or two years old and started to express themselves and, you know, grew into that, what they were doing is they were growing into the character that they were, the character that they are. Their personalities never really changed. Did they evolve over time? Absolutely, because they get older, they communicate more, they have life experiences, they do some things. But at its core, their personalities are the personalities. They are who they are. So the notion of trying to be something that we're not is impossible. All we're doing is pretending. So when we're in this situation, we're having conversations with people. Do we want, do we want to be in a situation where we're not hearing the authentic things from people? Or do we want to be in situations where we're able to hear their truth? Now, some people's truth make us uncomfortable because philosophically, morally, spiritually, whatever word you want to use, we may not be in agreement 
with what they believe or why they believe it. We may not ex- like what the story that they're telling. We may not like truth, you know, the way they're living their life. We may not approve. But the thing is, is we want to encourage others to share what it is that they're doing or being and why it's there. Because that's who they are. That's who you are. Embrace it. Accept it. Practice love and acceptance. Sit in the space and learn from it. So, you know, uh, uh, Brene Brown, the author, she has these four Ps. And I think it's, you know, beautiful thing. She talks about perfecting, pleasing, performing, proving. Perfecting, trying to be better. Trying to be better, you know, hiding our hiding our warts and showing off our goodness. Well, that's fine. We can perfect. We you know we can grow into being more patient. We can grow into being. But the truth of it is, if if you're an impatient person, you're impatient. Now you can learn to practice patience, but you're still impatient. So you have the discernment or the wisdom or knowledge. There's times to work on. I got to concentrate on being patient here. It's going to require me to be patient even though I'm naturally an impatient person. So I'm obviously speaking about myself. So I'm never going to be an, a patient person, but I can learn how to be patient when it is required of me or I recognize the situation that's expected of me. So we're going to be who we are. We accept that. We embrace it. It's the character. Remember, we're wonderfully and perfectly made, even the flaws. So my impatience is not a virtue but it's my character. It's who I am. And I want to create a space where people feel safe to tell me, share with me who they really are. That doesn't give people permission to be, you know, jerks. Okay. Some people say, that's just who I am. Well, that's dismissal because that's not taking ownership for the abrasiveness or the, the care, the, the nature of the personality where they're not kind, you know? So yeah. That's a, that's they, we could call it judgmentally obnoxious, but I don't want to use it. That's not really what it is. It's just, you know, it's unfortunate they don't recognize that being authentic also reminds being yourself, being discerning. So some authenticity, you need to kind of find a way to tamp it down so that you aren't offensive, you aren't abrasive, you aren't rude, you aren't discourteous, okay? But at the same time, you recognize you are who you are and you want other people to declare who they are. So the perfecting, the pleasing, the performing, the proving, all those things are behaviors where we're fighting to be accepted. That's all it is. So accept them and listen to them and hear their stories. There's a great quote from um, the author, Isabel Wilkerson. And she says, putting in the work, listen to this carefully, putting in the work to educate oneself and to listen with a humble heart to understand another's experience from their perspective, from their perspective, how they see the world. Think my little grandson in the van, not as we imagine we would feel, but um, uh, from their perspective, not as imagine as not as we imagine we would feel. We're like putting ourselves in their shoes. We want to see what they see. We want to see what somebody else is experiencing. We want to understand why they're experiencing them. She calls it radical empathy. It's not about you or what you think you would do in a situation, says Isabel, because it's something that you may never have been in or you may never will be in, but it's something that somebody else has been in and they're sharing their experience so you can see what they see and experience what they experience. And it is a kindred connection from a place of deep knowing, deep knowing. 
under, you have now have knowledge of their perspective. You see the world as they see it. You feel the world as they experienced it from that deep, and it creates a deep connection because now I understand, wow, I didn't know. Hmm. I didn't know. Now that deep connection, it opens your spirit to the pain of somebody else as they perceive it. It's radical empathy. It's selfless listening. It's a beautiful thing because we're giving somebody the space to teach us what we don't know or understand about their world, their experiences, even though we're sitting right next to each other. What a powerful, powerful, powerful opportunity we have just by giving up of ourselves and releasing our worldview and releasing of our opinions and releasing of our perspectives to allow somebody else to share what they see. Man, what a gift. What a beautiful gift. It's called radical empathy. So, um, you know, really quick, because we're coming up on a break, but I had the experience, you know, of long time ago, um, I went to a, uh, I went to a church in a black community, even though I lived in a very affluent um, upper middle class community. And I used to think that I, years ago, I thought I understood, you know, because I went to church with black people and experienced what they experienced in my mind. I saw their world. I lived in their world. They came in and saw my world and lived in my world. But the truth of the matter is, I was still a guy who was just kind of like marching along with them. So when we had a couple of racial experiences, you know, I get it. I thought I experienced racism, but the truth of the matter is, is I did have an experience with racism, but it had a different impact on somebody who lives a life in racism. So I have no idea what they're really, what they really experienced. I have a sense of what they experienced, but I have no idea what it feels like to them to experience it over and over and over again in different ways. That's the difference between what I believe I know to what I believe I can learn from somebody else based on what they experienced. It's radical empathy. It's selfless listening. When we come back, we'll talk about a couple more of the concepts. And thanks for listening. Catch you up with you on the other side. Follow us on Twitter at VoiceAmericaTRN. Get the lowdown on guests, new shows, and your favorites. That's VoiceAmericaTRN. We all struggle with relationship tensions in the home or at work or with a loved one. Often that tension causes us to avoid communicating with that individual because it usually ends up in a fight or an argument that only makes things worse. In the show, Stop Telling and Start Listening, host David Cook shares the lessons of his personal experiences to help you engage in healthy, insightful conversations for healing broken or damaged relationships. After a successful professional career as a sales pro, executive, and consultant, David Cook discovered, in a significant, transformational way, the impact a shift in listening had on the father-son relationship during his youngest child's struggles with a heroin addiction. After loving his son with various reactive behaviors of shame, guilt, criticism, judgment, David discovered that when he made a commitment to understand his son's struggles, to learn about the addiction journey from his son's perspective and meet him where he was in his addiction, 
David realized he was rebuilding their relationship in powerful, influential ways. David's show, Stop Telling and Start Listening, provides listeners guidance and insight to the powers of listening, selfless listening. Instead of avoiding the people we are struggling to understand or communicate with, David provides listeners with tools they can utilize to facilitate an authentic, safe sharing of personal and real perspectives and experiences. He teaches us how to navigate into areas of communication tension to help repair broken or damaged relationships, build trust with those we need to lead or support, and solve complex problems with impactful, lasting solutions. Join David on Mondays at 11 Pacific for a listening session that will help close the divide that exists or is developing between you and others in your community. We are living in a time where a relentless commitment to opinions and beliefs are dividing communities and fracturing crucial relationships. Making ourselves right and those who disagree with us wrong leaves little room for engaging in a constructive learning dialogue. There is little opportunity to change minds, find common ground, or solve complex problems. Those who are not being heard or understood become angry, hurt, lost, isolated, alone, and more. While mental health-related issues are on the rise, too few know how to safely share their struggles, and far too many don't know how to care about those that do. While it is increasingly frustrating to experience an increase in this communication divide, there is hope, and according to David Cook, there is an answer. The answer lies in how we adjust our communication style and shift our listening behaviors. In his radio show, Stop Telling and Start Listening, host David Cook introduces his audiences to the power found in creating a safe place for sharing life perspectives and experiences without judgment, criticism, correction, or shame. There are tremendous opportunities in learning to see the world from the eyes of another. Join David on Mondays at 11 Pacific. Discover how shifting your listening behaviors will close the divide that exists between you and others in your community. It's your world. Motivate. Change. Succeed. VoiceAmericaEmpowerment.com You're listening to Stop Telling and Start Listening. Have a question for David or his guests? Join us on the show at 888-346-9141. That's 888-346-9141. Or you can email Dave at dave at thecookgroupllc.com. Now, back to the show with David. Hey, everybody. Welcome back. This is it, uh, the, the third segment in this show. I'm excited that uh, we've had this uh, conversation to this point. Um, when we took a right before we took a break, I talked about my experiences um, uh, going to a, a, a church in a black community. And one point that I wanted to carry forward from that conversation was, um, I believe, you know, obviously I had situations when uh, my friends from church would come into my white upper middle class neighborhood in the late '60s. Um, we obviously, I had experiences with racism. So I believe that I understood what racism looked like. There's a difference between having experiences with racism and living in racism. And I think that that's the point is, is that when we're sitting having conversations with people when they want to tell their story, yeah, I think I know, I think I understand, I think I get it. Okay, yeah, that's true. You might think that you do. 
But there's so much more I can learn when I allow myself to shut up, be quiet, and encourage somebody to tell their story and accept their story as true, accept their story as valid. Because there, you know, there's a, another saying that I always have is everybody's perspective is valid from where they sit. Everybody's perspective is valid from where they sit. So when somebody's sharing me their story, their viewpoint, riding in the van, telling like a five-year-old kid telling a story, it's valid. It's how they seeing things. Accept it. Now, we had a lot of times when I share that, you know, that truth with people and say, well, what happens when somebody says something that I don't agree with? This isn't about you agreeing it or you liking it. Well, yeah, but I just can't do that. Well, when somebody says I can't do that, what they've basically done is they've raised their hand and said, I've gone from selfless listening to selfish telling because now this conversation is about me. It's not about them or the other person. And um, the minister, uh, I don't know if anybody's ever had an opportunity to listen to Andy Stanley and his podcast, Your Move, but Andy Stanley is a, a, a pastor in Georgia. Um, it's like North Point Church or something like that. Um, and he had, he, he said something one time, but just like, boom, hit me right between the eyes because it was so beautiful to this thing that I, you know, I know what I know. I'm right. I believe I'm right. Um, I've done my research. I've done my homework. I've lived my experiences. I've drawn this conclusion. I know I'm right. Well, Andy Stanley stood up in this talk and said, chances are 100% that you're wrong about something today. Chances are you are wrong about something today. Now, it doesn't mean you're wrong about the one thing you may be drawing a line in the sand, but the, problem, the reality is chances are you're wrong about something. And the background that he used for this, which was so powerful, was you know, and here I am, I'm, I'm 65 years old, you know, I've lived a full life, I've drawn some conclusions, I have habits, beliefs, opinions, you know, I'm just like everybody else. You know, I can get pretty set in my ways on some things. But the truth of the matter is, is when I was 18, 19 years old, and I was a young buck, I had opinions on things. I had truths, I had beliefs, I had drawn my conclusions. And then as I got older and got married and had kids and experienced the work life and the real world for a little while, you know, again, I changed my mind, right? I was wrong. My, some of the things that I believed when I was in high school and college completely shifted to something else when I was, uh, you know, uh, in my 30s and 40s. And here it is 20 years later, and I go, man, you've really changed your mind about that. <laughs> so I was wrong. I was wrong more than once. So to sit on this to sit on this platform and says, I have the answer and I know I'm right until I find out I'm not. I don't know what I don't know. You don't know what you don't know. And so when you think about this whole notion of, you know, what I believe and why I believe it and, and my truth, it's great. I love it. You can have those but you can't hold on them to, well, you can, you can choose to, but I encourage you not to hold on to them because chances are you're wrong about something somewhere and the opportunity to discover where you might be wrong or why maybe you need more information or with more information, you might change your mind is creating the space for other people to share, for you to learn. Adam Grant wrote this beautiful book called Think Again. It's a great book. And basically what he says is he said, there are things that you think you know, and there's things that you think you believe. But you know what? You need to constantly rethink those things. Look again, think again, re-examine it, 
And he talks about the levels to which we will will protect them and defend them um, because we think we're right. And he says, no, 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 no. Think again. I got it. You got there by a by a process of logical thought and world experiences and research and conversation and great like that. Be open to the possibility that you could shift your belief. Be receptive to the notion that what you believe today could be changed. And he talks about it, a couple of things he talks about. We go into preacher mode where we deliver sermons to protect and defend our ideals. Or we go into prosecutor mode where we um, recognize the flaws in other people's reasoning and we challenge them, you know, and demonstrate why they're wrong. You know, because obviously if they're wrong, we must be right. So we find ways to defend it. Either we defend it by preaching or we defend it by prosecuting. We declare them, you know, their, their, their thinking flawed and incorrect. Or we go into a, you know, in a politician mode. We start to advocate and enroll others into following us with our beliefs and stuff like that. So we create this divide where there's those of us who believe and there's those of us who don't. And then we have the people on the right side and we have the people on the wrong side. And that becomes, that becomes the politician. Vote for me, follow me, accept my beliefs, make me right. Or we could go into scientist mode. And in scientist mode, we are constantly searching for the truth. Where we're running experiments, testing hypotheses, and discovering new knowledge on old ideas. That's learning. But how do you do that kind of learning when you're interacting with people? Is you listen. You ask great questions. If you don't understand something or you don't agree with something, find a way to ask an open-ended question, emphasis on open-ended questions, to get people to share with you a little bit more. When you don't understand something, you don't say, why do you believe that? Say, what makes you believe that? How did you come to that conclusion? And it gives people, it gives others in the room an opportunity to continue to share their thing without you confronting them with your belief that they're wrong, but your willingness to love and accept them for what they believe so that you can learn from what they believe and why they believe it and how it influences their choices, decisions, and behaviors. So that's one. The other thing that Andy Stanley talks about, and this is the last one, is, is that the struggle to understand what we comp can't comprehend. Most people do not want to wade into the deep end of the pool by asking questions when somebody says something. You know, I mean, you make a declarative statement, they, you know, you, in, your, in your thoughts, say, well, that's Dave talking. He's a, he's a little crazy, but I'm not going there because I don't have the time, effort, interest, or anything to do that. In other words, I don't like what he said, but I don't care to learn, go into it. Then when somebody says to me, he says, well, you know, that was really interesting what Dave said. You know, why do you think he believes that? I don't know. I don't know. I don't care. But the challenge with that is what you're doing is you're acknowledging the gap. I don't know. I don't know why. And I'm not interested in learning more. What you've done is you've put yourself on an island or you put Dave on an island. It doesn't really matter. But you've isolated him in this belief. So when you say, I don't know. That or I don't understand. You, what you've done is it's a call to action to start learning. And the other thing that happens is, is that if you decide you want to draw a conclusion why David believes what he believes, what you're doing is you're injecting yourself in his story, which means you're changing the story because now you're making it in a way as you understand it, not the way as he sees it. So the big challenge that we have is when you hear yourself getting, you know, being 
I don't know. I don't understand. I don't agree. I don't like it. When you hear that, it's a, it's a call to action to move forward, to wade in and learn. It's not a reason to step back and eject. The reason we can't wade in is because we haven't learned how to ask great questions, which I understand. So you need to learn how to ask great open-ended questions to probe for more information, to gather more understanding. So those are kind of some of the things we do. And we're going to encourage, we'll talk more and more about how listening, how we convey and engage in listening. But this is what the show is about, is, is having people share their experiences as professionals, whether it's from or, or as, 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 as humans, I should just say, whether it's a professional leading an organization or a coach training, coaching and inspiring professionals or athletes, whether it's a mom or a dad or it's a minister, it doesn't really matter. But we're going to have different people talk about how they use listening as a powerful tool, as a powerful resource for learning about the person that they're interacting with and for creating opportunities for other people to learn to learn ways and discover ways in the course of their conversations with us to find what they're looking for. That's what this is about. Next week, my featured guest is Kate Turner. Kate is a coach for humans striving to have more meaning and impact in their daily lives. She works with high achievers and she helps them build confidence and find clarity in their lives and take action into the things that are important to them. Um, she aligns with values and sense of purpose. She's an awesome, I've known her for 15 years. She's an awesome coach, a very inspirational thinker. And um, I've really enjoyed her. She even talks about, you know, all the communication signs. It's not only what people say, it's what they don't say. She talks a little bit about how we read body language and temperament, which is extremely important when we're trying to create a space for people to feel comfortable. Because when we feel and we observe that people are holding back, we want to find a way to bring down the tension level so that they can be, feel safe in sharing their story. So Kate's going to talk a little bit about her experiences working with high-performing people who do have difficulty admitting to their struggles about being vulnerability. Because if we're high performers, we want to be, you know, we're expected we expect of ourselves to perform at high levels. So when we are talking about the things that we're struggling with, that's a language that's very difficult for high performers. So Kate talks about how listening helps her get there. So we live in a very turbulent era. People are divided. We're at each other's throats. It's just the reality of the day. But the truth of the matter is, is that there's only one thing that's going to fix it. It's how we listen. So the name of the show is Stop Telling and Start Listening. And just remember... Once you start listening, everything changes. And until next week, get your ears open. Thank you. Thanks for listening to this week's episode of Stop Telling and Start Listening. We hope you've picked up on some useful ideas to help you enhance your conversational skills. Until we listen again, have a beautiful week.